0: What is up, Divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common-sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website, DeepDiveFantasyFootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. boom shakalaka man i freaking love the skull chant i love the skull chant what's up guys welcome into deep dive fantasy football obviously you know exactly what team we are going over via the title and the skull chant in the beginning how about that intro how about it man the bucks need to pick up a chant like that that is so sick i every time i hear that gives me chills but With that said, we're going to get into the Vikings today, and I am glad to say that this team, unlike the Eagles, who we just went over on the last podcast, was very, very easy for me to project, and it didn't take nearly as much time. Why? Because the Vikings have consistency, and when you have pretty much the same team year over year over year, and then in terms of the offense, because obviously that's what matters for fantasy football, and... You also have consistent efficiency metrics from the position players on that offense. It makes it very easy and makes you very confident in your projections. Really, the only thing that can mess things up is one of two things, actually. It's injury and a possible decline from a very good player on this team that's getting up there in age, which we'll talk about. But with that said, we are going over the Vikings. We got to start with the personnel changes. So they drafted a quarterback in the third round, Kellen Mond. I'm not worried about him taking over this year. I am not including him in these projections whatsoever. Kirk Cousins is way better than people give him credit for, and he's a very good quarterback. He's very efficient, as we will see soon. Kellen Mond is just a stash. Grab him, hold him in super flex leagues if you want. He's got some rushing ability. Maybe he'll be something down the line. Maybe they'll move off Kirk Cousins, but as of right now, that's not something by any means I'm projecting. Outside of drafting Kellen Mond, they did draft an offensive tackle, Christian Darrisaw, who I love to replace, lost offensive tackle Riley Reef. That's a huge upgrade. Riley Reef is not nearly as good as what I think Christian Darrisaw is going to do and how he's going to impact this team. So that's an upgrade on the offensive line, along with another third round pick, Wyatt Davis, a guard, added to their offensive line. So they've got a first rounder in Christian Darrisaw and a third rounder in Wyatt Davis, who in most drafts would be ranked way higher in the offensive line class. This class was just super deep, and you were able to find quality starting offensive linemen in the third round like shoe and Wyatt Davis, I believe, is one of those. So they've got two boosts to the offensive line right there. They also drafted one of my favorite sleepers, Ihmir Smith-Marset. They lost cornerback Mike Hughes. Ihmir, ich- by the way, is a wide receiver. I don't know if I said that. They lost cornerback Mike Hughes, but they added cornerback Patrick Peterson, so not really losing anything. They're not technically gaining anything either because Patrick Peterson is not the old Patrick Peterson, but he might help. Hopefully he's going to help develop that youth that they have in the building at that position. Then they also added defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants, and they lost Kyle Rudolph. So those are the big personnel changes, nothing crazy coaching-wise or anything like that we have to worry about. So it makes it pretty simple to project forward. Same quarterback, same main weapons, same coaching staff, same scheme, all of that should be pretty consistent. So with that said, let's look at some trends that I found. Last year, their defense was the fourth worst in terms of points allowed. They allowed the fourth most points in the NFL, their defense. While if you look at 2019, they were the fifth best, which means they had the fifth lowest points allowed instead of the fourth highest. So that's a huge difference. And in 2018, they were ninth best. So they're usually a top 10 defense in terms of points allowed. Last year, they were bottom five. That is a complete difference, a stark change, and you could see it. In how they played last year. They passed the ball, and it's kind of like how I projected and expected it to be because they lost so much on their defense. It was clear to me that last season their defense was going to be really bad and they were going to have to pass the ball a lot more than they like to, and they did. Now, they didn't pass as much as I projected, but I, I may have gone a little overboard. I may have thought their defense was going to be even worse than it was, but they did pass a lot more. And That's not going to be the case this year. I think they're going to get back to how they have been in the past when they've had a really good defense. Not to that level because that defense is not going to be top 10, but it's definitely not going to be one of the five worst. I expect it to be more middle of the pack, so it's still going to improve immensely from last year's numbers, and you're going to see that reflected in the ratio of how much they pass, how much they run. They also have a lot of young guys there on that defense, and they had some injuries during the season last year. So assuming health and assuming some of those young guys develop a little bit better, plus Dalvin Tomlinson now locking down that interior defensive line, those are the reasons I believe that their defense is going to get better. I didn't want to just say, yeah, their defense is going to get better without telling you guys why. So there's the quick little explanation there. Now, when they had a great defense in 2019, their pass-run ratio was 48-52. That means they ran the ball more than they passed, right? That's not common. They were one of the few teams that ran more than they passed. Another team being the Ravens, which we've discussed already and have projected. Last year, once the defense got worse, it flipped. Instead of being 48% pass, 52% run, it was 52% pass, 48% run. I expect it to almost be like, Literally almost exactly 50 50 this year. I'm projecting a 50.5% pass rate, 49.5% run rate. When their defense is really good, they're 48 52. When their defense is really bad, they're 52 48. So if their defense is just average, then they're probably going to be 50 50. So that's what I'm working with here. They have had 960 plays on average the last two seasons. That would be 1,020 over a 17 game pace. I'm expecting nearly the same. I think they're going to get in a couple more at 1,030 total plays. So with that said, if you multiply that by the pass rate that I am expecting, the run rate that I'm expecting, we're looking at 520 passes in this offense and 510 runs. Overall, like I said, this team is very consistent, so I'm pretty confident in this projection. Let's get into it. Let's start with Kirk Cousins. Real quick, let's get his rushing out the way. 110 yards and a touchdown. He's pretty much between 100 and 200 rushing yards every year and one touchdown. Pretty simple. Don't overthink it. It's not something worth discussing. Now let's look at his passing, what we expect there. So working off 520 passes, we got to look at his completion percentage to start off. He's had a very stable completion percentage the last three years. He's been between 67 and 70 every single time. He is more efficient. When the Vikings are more committed to the run game kind of like what we saw with Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson is throwing the ball 30 times a game he's crazy efficient and it's part of the reason why we're always like man unleash Russ let Russ cook well when they do let Russ cook his efficiency drops when he's throwing the ball a lot more and the run game is not nearly as established and the defense doesn't have to respect it as much all of a sudden his efficiency drops it's kind of the same thing here with Kirk Cousins When he's asked to pass the ball more, his efficiency, which is still very high, drops from his average. Well, if they're being able to get back to the run a little bit compared to last year, I expect his completion percentage compared to last year to rise. As they get closer to that strong defense, heavy run game approach, Cousins is likely going to be at the 68.5 mark, maybe a tiny bit higher, so that's what I'm projecting. His career yards per completion is 116 It was at 12.2 and 11.7 the last two years, so I'm projecting 11.9. Seems plenty fitting given the weapons, the O-line upgrades, the commitment to getting back to the run. I think it makes perfect sense for him to still be very high in that category despite having a high completion rate, which is very uncommon. And that's why I'm saying Kirk Cousins is a guy who deserves your respect because—and we'll even get to his fantasy finishes at the end—but he has been somebody who— not only has a high completion percentage, but it's not like Drew Brees. Drew Brees had a very high completion percentage consistently, but it's because he threw the ball super close to the line of scrimmage. Kirk Cousins is heaving the ball downfield. Kirk Cousins is thrown over the middle of the field often and early in games. So, Kirk Cousins is somebody that deserves our respect, both for fantasy and NFL, and we'll talk about why for fantasy in a second, but I just wanted to say that his touchdown ratio is outstanding. The NFL average, you guys probably have a good idea after you've listened to a few of my podcasts, is about around 4.5, 4.8. It changes every single year, but it's usually in the upper fours. His touchdown ratio over the last four years has been above five. It's been an average of 6.4% the last two years. That's very good. That means 6.4% of his passes turn into touchdowns. It's probably going to be like that again. Around six, I think, is very fair. It could be higher, especially if they are committing to the run. But it's hard for me to project a touchdown rate so high for Kirk Cousins. So, hey, room to improve, right? Room to improve from my projection. I never project somebody at fully 100% of their capabilities. That would take away the ceiling. I obviously am not going to project towards that. I just truly project, and this is a conversation I had with somebody on Twitter, what I think is going to happen. So I'm not always just projecting, like, a middling average because— That's not what I think is going to happen. Sometimes I think somebody is going to have a much higher than average season compared to their career, and sometimes a much lower, depending on the situation and the context and the surrounding pieces. So I basically just said the same thing in three different ways there. I don't know if you caught that. (laughs) But um, anyways, Kirk Cousins has been very good, massively underrated. He's been a QB1. That means top 12 because most standard leagues at this point now are 12 teams, so that's how I use the term when I say QB1, RB1, wide receiver 1. That means top 12, not top 10. All right, he's been a quarterback 1 four of the last six years, and his worst finish in the last six years was 19. So he's been very consistent, and he's a very good target for super flex leagues, especially he's a super consistent, reliable quarterback 2. And if you're somebody that just punts quarterback and you're not looking for somebody with immense upside, then Kirk Cousins is going to be fine and stable for you at your one quarterback slot if you want to just take him with your last pick in the draft. Now let's talk about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is an absolute monster. And yes, we all know this, but it's to the point where like doing projections, I really just have an appreciation for this guy and his talent. He is absolutely dominant. He shares or the share of running back carries that he has is insane. His running back carry share last year was about 75%. There's very few running backs that have shares like that. Very few. I would venture to say, and I can't tell you yet because we're only like six teams into projecting, but he has the highest percentage of anyone we've gone over so far. Antonio Gibson was actually pretty close, but Dalvin Cook at 75%, that's got to be top three in the league. The only people I can think that would challenge that or be better than that is Derrick Henry for sure. Derrick Henry's probably like 85%. And then maybe the Ezekiel Elliott of old, but not recently. And that's probably it. I can't really think of anybody else that's an absolute workhorse. Oh, Christian McCaffrey. Duh. Come on, Brandon. Christian McCaffrey's probably like 70, so he's probably less than Dalvin. But, anyways, he's been an absolute beast. He takes on a whole bunch of carries. Two years ago, he had a 60% carry share. So a little bit less, but he was nicked up a lot more that season. I think that was a big reason why. When he's fully healthy, he hovers around a 70% mark. So absolutely insane. Now, if you take 70% of the 510 carries that we've projected from the beginning, that's 357 carries on the season. That's really good. And he's also somebody that's been very consistent, like Kirk Cousins, always in that 67 to 70% completion rate. Well, Davin Cook is always between his entire career 4.5 yards per carry and 5 yards per carry. That is elite numbers right there. If you just give him his average, he's above 1,700 yards on the season, rushing. That's an absolute beast. Now they have upgrades on the O-line, two upgrades on the offensive line. So he should be on the higher side. He should be above his average. So I'm going to project 4.85 yards per carry. Last year, he had 5 yards per carry. And now the situation, goodness, is better. So I think that's a pretty safe projection, actually. Here's another crazy stat about Dalvin Cook. He's got 29 rushing touchdowns in the last 28 games. That would be 18 touchdowns on a 17-game pace. Am I going to project 18 touchdowns on the ground for a running back? No. That's insane. And if he hits that, that shows why he's worth a top three pick if you want to take him there. He really is. The only thing that you can hold against Dalvin Cook, because he does get some receiving, which we'll get to in a second, enough to make him have the possibility to be a number one, the number one running back in a season, is that he might get injured. That's the only thing you can hold against him. It really is, is injury. If you want to shed the injury risk, because he is a risky pick because of the fact that he is always going to miss, it seems like at least two games, 14 games played in the last two seasons. I don't remember how many games he played before that, but I know his rookie year, he was kind of banged up because I took him, I remember taking him in rookie drafts. I love Dalvin Cook coming out. I loved him and his situation especially. I was taking Dalvin Cook over McCaffrey, which, eh, debatable whether that was good or not. It worked out for the first two years, and then after that, it hasn't. But then last year, it worked out, so that that's, you know, whatever. But I took Dalvin Cook over McCaffrey and over Leonard Fournette. And if you guys remember, Leonard Fournette was the shoe in for the best rookie running back in that class, especially that rookie season. Everyone was drafting Leonard Fournette as a top, like, I don't remember, I think it was like a top 8 running back in fantasy redraft, and Dalvin Cook was at like 15, and I was taking Dalvin Cook, I had him ranked, that was the first season that I did these projections, because like I told you guys, I'm in year 4 now, and this is Dalvin Cook's 4th or 5th year, okay, so maybe it was, maybe I've been doing this for 5 years, but Dalvin Cook... Rookie season was the first year I did projections, and Dalvin Cook came out so much higher than Leonard Fournette for me. Did it work out that rookie season? No, but from then on, Dalvin Cook's been a beast, and it was just because he dealt with injuries. So that's the only thing that can really hold back somebody like Dalvin Cook. Now, look, let's look real quick at his receiving. He's usually around the 13% target share. That should hold right around that area, or maybe it goes up a little bit with Kyle Rudolph departing. He had 37 targets last year, but I'm assuming most of those are going to go to Irv Smith. He pretty much has no touchdowns in the receiving game, but hey, 14 touchdowns in the rushing game is plenty. Now let's talk about the receivers. We've got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, his target share last year was 22%. I'm going to project slightly under that at 21%, and it's because he's getting a little you know, to that age, I actually posted something on Twitter. I'll probably retweet it. So if you guys are on there, go look for it. Or you could DM me if you want it, because I think it's actually very helpful. I tweeted something about a month ago called the wide receiver drop off. And it's a chart that I made in Excel. And I grabbed a whole bunch of there was no method to my madness, really. I just grabbed a whole bunch of wide receivers that are no longer good in fantasy, no longer in the NFL. I grabbed guys like Brandon Marshall, Des Bryant, Roddy White, Marquise Colston. Like, I just grabbed a whole bunch of receivers that were really good for fantasy for a multitude of years. And I charted their numbers. And I was trying to find out, what is that age that you just gotta look out for for wide receivers? Because we love trying to predict, predict, hey, when is this wide receiver gonna drop off? At what age? When is the barrier gonna hit him? I even did A.J. Green. He's one of the people... That's still in the league that's actually in that chart because obviously A.J. Green has dropped off. So being the least efficient wide receiver last year in the entire NFL. So that's not even worth arguing. He definitely dropped off. But anyways, with that said, I came to the conclusion that the drop-off age is 32. Adam Thielen will be 31 when this season starts. So most people were actually exactly 32 when it, when their drop-off happened, their 32 age season but there were a bunch of people that were 31 and a bunch of people that were 33. So Adam Thielen basically has a two-year window at most, and this could be the year he drops off at worst. So it's something you have to consider. That's the one thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable with the projection, but it's like 10% uncomfortable. I'm like 90% confident in this projection because I don't think Thielen is going to drop off. It didn't seem like he was really getting worse last year. But I think the emergence of Justin Jefferson and the fact that Thielen is slightly older and everything, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses 1% in the target share. So that's just my thought process behind that. Now, last year, he was saved by touchdowns fantasy-wise. He had a ridiculous 14. His previous seasons, his last four seasons before that, five touchdowns, four touchdowns, nine touchdowns and six touchdowns he's never hit double digits and all of a sudden he pulls a 14 out of nowhere last year so putting him at nine which is what my projection has for him is above his average and it would be his highest mark outside of last year or tied for his highest mark outside of last year i expect justin jefferson to increase in the touchdown category then if we look at yards per reception adam thielen he has projected for me 12.9 yards per reception at a 66% catch rate. He's pretty consistent in yards per reception and catch rate, so nothing crazy to touch on there. That was just the efficiency metrics I projected. Now we have Justin Jefferson. 24% target share last year, but if you take out the first two weeks, because if you remember, and a lot of people stole Justin Jefferson during the season via trade after week one or week two because... Justin Jefferson seemed to be struggling, and it seemed like, oh man, he might not produce at all his rookie season, and people were super impatient and started trading him away. After the first two weeks, his target share, so from week three on, was 26%, and that's exactly what I'm projecting now. I I struggle to see it it go higher than that, because 26% target share is already one of the top marks in the league for a wide receiver, for any position, and... To project like 28% just because he's going into year two and maybe Adam Thielen declines some more, 28% is obnoxious. Like, the only wide receivers that have been in that area have been Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, and Antonio Brown over the last like five, six years. I'm pretty sure those are the only ones that come to mind right away because I remember always being like, yeah, oh, and Devontae Adams. That's the other one. So those are the guys that have just absolutely dominated but I don't think Jefferson is going to be there right away. That That's just too much. And if he does that, then he really is the dynasty wide receiver one. Right now I have him at three behind Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, but I have no problem, no issue with people who have him as their dynasty, dynasty wide receiver one, but don't expect something crazy. So I'm still projecting a 26% target share as he had last year after week three or after week two. He had seven touchdowns. That's half of what Thielen had. I expect him to outperform Thielen in the touchdown category in year two. I, putting Justin Jefferson at 10 touchdowns. Remember, I dropped Thielen from 14 to 9. With such an efficient rookie season, though, it is important to mention that it would not really be reasonable, in my opinion, to expect him to improve on yards per reception and catch rate, usually after a rookie wide receiver year, especially because rookie wide receivers usually don't come on as strong as this class did in their first year and just perform as well as they did. I mean, Jefferson had over 1,400 yards, which is ridiculous, but usually you can project them to improve because they didn't have an outstanding rookie year and they are a lot more knowledgeable on routes and everything. Well, Justin Jefferson was already a great route runner and he was already super dynamic and people had no tape on him. Now people have tape on him. Now they're going to look at him as a priority. They're not going to put their number one cornerback on Adam Thielen anymore. The days of that happening in Minnesota are over. Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver one, and defenses are going to treat him that way. And now they have tape on him. So I think it would not be reasonable, it would be unreasonable, to expect him to improve on his catch rate, which was already great, and his yards per reception, which was great. What were they? It was a 70% catch rate with a 15.9 yards per reception. When you're looking at wide receivers that average above 15 yards per reception, their catch rate is usually below 60, and his was at 70 absolute madness so if anything he's going to get increased attention which will make things go down a little bit so I'm going to give it some small bumps I'm taking one percent here and there he's still set to be great for fantasy instead of a 70 percent completion rate or catch rate I'm putting him at 68 instead of 15.9 yards per reception I'm putting him at 15.5 that still makes him like top five in terms of efficiency for wide receivers in the NFL so with that said Jefferson remember he is an absolute stud. He's great for fantasy, but I don't think he can get much more efficient than he was last year, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now let's talk about irf Smith, pretty much the last possibly fantasy relevant, and I say possibly for a reason, but he's pretty much the last fantasy possible relevant person in this offense, but we will talk about one more person because you know he's my boy, and I got to talk about him, but irf Smith, 10% target share last year, probably gets a 5% boost from Kyle Rudolph leaving. Kyle Rudolph had about an 8% target share last year, so give 5% of that to Irv Smith. About 1% to Dalvin Cook. The running back usually can take some roll from the tight end and then because tight end will get a lot of dump-offs as well. And then the other 2% just goes to the other category or to the guy that we're going to talk about next. So I'm projecting Irv Smith to have a 15% target share, up from 10% last year. Irv Smith had 5 touchdowns. Kyle Rudolph had 1. So it's not like... He's going to have a big boost in touchdowns all of a sudden, and he's not some super dynamic guy. It's not like Adam Thielen's gone, so I don't see a reason that Irv Smith is going to put up 9, 10 touchdowns and a whole bunch of targets and receptions. The more I look at Irv Smith, the harder I think it is to imagine him being good for fantasy, like very good. A lot of people like to put Irv Smith in that bucket of late round tight end targets that could become really good. I can't buy it. Just like Cole Komet, I can't buy it. Not for this year, at least. Cole Komet maybe could down the road. And if he does this year, I think he has a higher ceiling than Irv Smith. Since we're talking about both, I might as well touch on it. Cole Komet, I think, has a higher ceiling because it's possible he becomes the number two or three target. Irf Smith, there's no way he's passing Thielen or Jefferson. And being the third target in this offense that tries to run the ball half the time is not going to be good enough. So that's Irv Smith for you. I'm not very high on him. You'll see the numbers later. But the last person I wanted to talk about is Ihmir Smith-Marset. I told you guys before the NFL draft that he was one of my favorite wide receiver sleepers. And it's true. So I had to project out my guy because I loved the place he landed. Now, if he landed somewhere like Tampa Bay, for example, Jalen Darden was somebody I liked a lot. Darden ended up in Tampa Bay. Darden is not going to be somebody I project. He's going to be in the other category when I project Tampa. But, Ihmir Smith-Marset has a possible chance at relevance. It's super slim. So, by no means am I telling you to get him in redraft leagues. But in dynasty leagues, stash him in your taxi. Thank me in a few years. Trust me. This guy is very good. He reminds me of like, he's kind of like a halfway point. In my opinion, between Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, he's like right in the middle of those two. I don't expect, like I said, a breakout this year, but I expect him to have a slowly arcing career that's significant by year three. Think Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams. Chris Godwin rookie year had some nice plays, had some flashes, didn't do anything for fantasy purposes. Didn't his stats didn't pop off the page. Year two, all right. Now he's got a role in the offense, but still nothing crazy. Year three fantasy superstar. And a lot of people saw it coming. Devontae Adams, year one, struggled, did nothing. Year two, still struggled. People are giving up on him. Year three, boom, Devontae Adams is here. Ihmir Smith-Marset, I think something similar is going to happen. Do I think he's going to be as good as Godwin and Devontae? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's the career arc that I see for this guy. Just watch his targets, look at his efficiency, and just imagine, okay, it's possible that Thielen hits that age drop-off this, after this season. It's possible that he hits it. If he doesn't hit it after this season, as in next year, he's definitely going to hit it by 23, 2023. That's when he's going to fall off a cliff at the latest. So at that point, Marcet will be going into year three. I think that's a perfect spot for him. He's going to make the roster for sure. I don't see how he doesn't. He's a very skilled receiver, and they don't have great receiver depth. So stick him in the taxi. Like I said, thank me in a few years. Now let's talk about the actual stats. What do I have projected for the Minnesota Vikings? Kirk Cousins. Remember, 520 passes is what we landed on after we went through the process. 356 completions, 4,239 yards, 31 touchdowns, and 110 rushing yards and a touchdown there. Dalvin Cook we got at 21.2 points per game. With 68 targets, 55 receptions, 427 yards, and a touchdown in the receiving game. Then 357 carries, 1,731 rushing yards, and 14 touchdowns. That is about 2,157 total yards and 15 total touchdowns. That puts him in the running for RB1. 21.2 points per game. Guys, that's insane. That is... Probably going to be my highest mark for running back. We think we found our highest mark for quarterback with Lamar. I think I just found my highest mark at running back with Dalvin. Maybe CMC comes out to like 21.5 or something. We'll see. Keep in touch. But Dalvin Cook, 21.2. That's super high. Justin Jefferson, 135 targets. Up from 100, I think it was 24 last year. So 135 targets. Remember, the Vikings are passing less this season than they were last season on in terms of a percentage wise so don't just think oh 17 gate 17 game uh season so there's an extra game and Justin Jefferson is not going to have those two bad weeks he should be way better this year not necessarily because they're not gonna p- be passing as often but Justin Jefferson 135 targets 92 receptions crazy efficiency 1425 yards 10 touchdowns Adam thielen 109 targets 72 receptions 930 yards and nine touchdowns what does that put these guys at fantasy wise Justin Jefferson comes in at 17.3 points per game now if you guys saw my tweet that said and I'm starting to record podcasts a little bit early so you probably saw this tweet like last week but or like four days ago but um oh man what was I saying oh yeah so I sent out a tweet that said I have hot takes. I've got some hot takes that Twitter is not ready for. Twitter would explode if I threw this out there. So I'm only going to save it for the podcast because the people that listen to the podcast, you guys, you guys are OG. You guys are true. You guys understand the process. You understand the work that goes into this. And you're not going to think I'm some idiot just babbling on Twitter trying to get clout, right? You guys know me. You know what type of person I am. You know the work that I put in. So when I say something like this, it's you're probably going to take it with... You know, some reality, some possibility, or at least respect the process that got me there. You're not going to just say, oh, this guy's an idiot. So that's why I didn't put it on Twitter. But what my numbers came out to, and if you look at the draft sheets, sheets, you probably have seen this already. Justin Jefferson is tied with Tyler Boyd in terms of points per game at 17.3. Now, obviously, I'm taking Justin Jefferson over Tyler Boyd. His ceiling is way higher. But I just want you to think about something before you think that that's crazy. Justin Jefferson is going to be in an offense that passes the ball between 500 and 550 times. Tyler Boyd is going to be in an offense that passes the ball between 650 times and 700 times. That is a 150 to 200 target difference, target possibility difference in the offenses. So by no means am I saying Tyler Boyd is a better wide receiver than Justin Jefferson, or more important to his team. But for fantasy purposes, it's all about the numbers. And the numbers follow volume and efficiency. Tyler Boyd is not nearly as efficient, but his volume is going to be way, probably way more than Justin Jefferson, which helps him get to that point where maybe he's putting up the same type of numbers. And just remember that Tyler Boyd last year was a top 12. He was wide receiver eight with Burrow from weeks two to ten, and his first two weeks included with Burrow, he was wide receiver 12. So just keep that in mind. But that's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Thielen Thielen is 12.9 points per game, so I have another hot take here. So the first hot take is that Justin Jefferson and Tyler Boyd are going to be really close to each other in fantasy finish, and the other hot take is that Jamar Chase is going to outscore Adam Thielen. I have Adam Adam Thielen at 12.9 points per game. I think Jamar Chase, I should have wrote this down. He was at like 13, or he is at 13.3, I think it is for me, like 13.3 or 13.5. So once again, look at the offenses, right? One's going to pass a lot more, but that's another hot take. I know people on Twitter would not like to hear it, but and I would just be sending the exact same response to every single person's reply, but that's how it is. That's really what I have projected. That's what I believe. And then Irv Smith, 9.1 points per game. Not somebody I'm interested in. And honestly, I think 9.1 points per game is like on the high side of what can happen for Irv Smith. What do I have projected? 78 targets, 55 receptions, 642 yards, and six touchdowns for that man. And then Kirk Cousins, we already went over his numbers, but I have him at 18.3 points per game, about half a point less than Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is going to throw a lot. But Kirk Cousins is one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league, so that's how he kind of catches up there. And then also Joe Burrow's losing some of his rushing potential, right, because of the ACL and MCL tear in the same knee, which is sucks. I hope that guy's all right, and I hope the Bengals start protecting him. But with that said, that uh, rounds out the podcast, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Justin Jefferson is probably going to be a top 10 wide receiver for me. Tyler Boyd is probably, at this point, now that I've finished this many teams, probably is going to be inside my top 15 again, maybe top 12, because he is right there with Justin Jefferson, so have a good one, thanks for listening, tuning in, taking a deep dive into the stats, into the processes, thank you guys, leave a rating, leave a review, helps immensely, till next time, I don't know, I can't tell you what team we're doing next, so just keep your eyes up, have a good one, peace. We'll